0: to the Happiest Places to Work podcast. I'm Amy Dix, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of Choose Happy. We create and build insanely happy workforces for companies around the world. We believe that by creating better people at work, they will create better businesses and better businesses build a better world. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the most inspiring podcasts in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, all you crazy, happy people out there. Welcome to another episode of Happiest Places to Work. I am Amy Dix with Choose Happy, and today we have Steve Hoffman, better known as Captain Hoff, uh, chatting with us today. I love what he says in his bio, which is he has had more careers than cats have lives, (laughs) from Hollywood TV exec and and game designer to manga, manga? Manga?
1: Manga, Japanese comic book.
0: writer, voice actor, animator, electrical engineer, studio head, and video game designer. Yes, some of those I did not even know. Uh, Didn't know what they were even, so you have had more careers than cats have lives. But today, he is the captain and CEO of Founderspace, one of the world's leading startup accelerators. And Founderspace was ranked the number one incubator for overseas startups by Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine. Congratulations on that, and welcome to the show, Captain Hoff.
1: Amy, I am happy, elated (laughs) to be here.
0: I'm elated that you're here. You know, we were talking before the show. I already just love your energy. So folks, when you look up Captain Hoff, whether you go to his website, founderspace.com or you find him on social, I think you're going to feel the same way that I feel, which is you are naturally, you give off like. Some positive vibes just naturally. And so I'm sure people are really kind of like attracted to you for that. And that's probably done very well for you throughout your many, many careers. So uh, why do you think it is that you've had so many careers? I am a curious
1: man. I like (laughs) discovering things. I like trying new things. So I can't help it. Whenever, you know, the new shiny thing comes along, I am the one running after it.
0: And what do you tell people um, who give out the advice that you need to stick to one thing, you need to go after that, you're never going to make it if you are a curious person or if you're always going after the shiny object?
1: I say if you want to take that advice and it's good for you, take that advice. Some people, you know, they're satisfied doing the same thing. Career over, you know, for their entire lifetime, being a dentist or a doctor, and that's wonderful. We need those people. Yes, but I am not one of those people. I cannot yes. do that. It would drive me nuts.
0: Yes, I love that so much. I just posted the other day um, on a, on this topic, which is, you know, I get so. Um, irritated, I think, from entrepreneurs a lot when they say, like, give advice that's like, leave your nine to five, get out of the rat race, you know, no more Monday through Friday night, no more making other people rich and all this other stuff. And I think, you know, that's your advice. (laughs) Like that works for you, right? Like you might've had the nine to five and you didn't like it. And so you got out and became this entrepreneur and that's amazing. And that is some really cool stuff. And that is a really hard gig. Like entrepreneur is like a really hard gig to have. Right. So, but maybe that's not everybody. Maybe everybody's brain doesn't work that way and vice versa. Right. So the people that are in the corporate life and have the nine to five, and then give the advice of you should stay in your nine to five, only one career. It is stable. You know, that might, that's good advice for you. But that might not be good advice for the entrepreneur out there. So I love that you answered it that way.
1: <laughs> that is absolutely right. And think about it, if everybody followed the entrepreneurs advice to quit their 9 to 5, those poor entrepreneurs would have no employees. They would That's have right. to do all the work themselves.
0: <laughs> That's so true. That is so true. So what uh what really led you to start Founder Space?
1: So I started Founder Space you know, over a decade ago, because I had done three venture-funded startups in Silicon Valley and two bootstrap startups, and I was taking a break. And all my friends started to come to me and say, Captain, Captain, help me with my business plan. Introduce me to investors. What do I do? How do I launch my product? How did you raise all that money? So they all started to come to me, started to answer their questions, and it just naturally evolved. Mm. Eventually, I started to post those answers online, at a website I called Founderspace, my blog, more and more entrepreneurs kept coming, so we got a space in San Francisco that became our first incubator, and from there, we just grew. Today, we're in 22 countries around the world. We have partners everywhere. We have incubators you know, all over, and even in China, we have our incubators in five major cities, and it's been a fantastic experience because it allows me to do what I do best, which is discover new things. I am discovering entrepreneurs. I get to dive into their business. I get to help them. I can can connect them with people. And most importantly, I can learn about the new technologies, the new businesses that are really fundamentally changing our lives.
0: I love it. So you started, you said in San Francisco, is that where you're headquartered now?
1: Yes. So we are San Francisco based. Although prior pandemic, I spent 70% of my time traveling. So all over.
0: Ah yes, yes. I've actually been. You're actually. In, are you in San Mateo or are you in San Francisco?
1: San Francisco proper.
0: Okay, gotcha. I had seen something about San Mateo, and it just kind of reminded me. I uh, w- I had a speaking engagement in San Mateo once, and I was I was literally in and out. Like I flew in, did the speaking gig, went and saw the Golden Gate Bridge, and like flew out. And like that was it. So that that's like that's all I kind of remember from it. But uh, (laughs) I wish I could have spent more time because wow, what a what a cool area of the country that is. So so you're in 22 countries. How many employees?
1: So we have uh, just about 100 employees. And they're spread all over at our different incubators. And we have different partners in different countries. So we don't run all, we don't run our own incubators in every country. That is too much work. Usually we get partners in those countries who run the incubators, or we partner with local governments. We do a lot like with the South Korean government, the Taiwanese government, where we'll actually send our instructors over there to run courses.
0: Wow. So this is a lot, uh, a lot of moving parts, a lot going on. So I'm, uh, I'm assuming there's, you know, a lot of stress keeping different people happy, <laughs> um, whether they be your employees or, or those that are engaged with your business. So what, what are some of the things that you've learned along the way when it comes to employee engagement and employee happiness to ensure that they're getting what they need?
1: Yeah. Well, I've learned this through doing my own companies, running my own startups. And you know, every time I coach these entrepreneurs, they're having issues. Like they've had every imaginable issue in the world. Of I've worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs and what, yeah. you know, the struggles they go through. In I have found workplace happiness, despite Silicon Valley myth that, you know, you need ping pong tables, foosball tables, you need, you know, parties, expensive offsites, catered lunches, <laughs> all these things. Those ultimately the people get used to them they just become normal even even those strange things like all your meals paid for become normal and they don't actually increase happiness what really in the workplace increases happiness are two things that i found two major drivers yes. not your salary
0: yes. not your bonuses <laughs>
1: Uh, not your title, those those things again, they have a short boost in happiness and then you go back to normal. But the thing that long-term sustains people in the workplace is community. Like who, what is, do you feel part of the community or do you feel on the outside? If you never bond with your coworkers, you never really feel part of it, then it's really hard to be happy in the workplace. And number two, equally important to community And a part of building a great community is meaning. Like, does your work have meaning in your life? Like, do you feel like you're accomplishing something? And even more importantly, something good, something that, that you feel is worthy not just to be paid for, but is good for society, is good for you, reflects your values. Those two things are the core drivers.
0: I I want to like shout for joy. I want to like stand up and jump up and down. I love this is so aligned with um, so many things that I believe as well. So And I just love this. You know, um, I, I wrote in my second book, like the three pillars of happiness, character connections and community. So the fact that you say community makes me already want to love you so much more than I already did when I was looking <laughs> up all your info. So I I agree. I think community is such an important part of our life and of the workplace. And then one key thing that I think you said that I want to explore a little bit is um, when you said meaning, and uh, then you went on to say about meaning in in your life, right? Like so, connecting our workplace and and what we do, our careers and our work, with actually our life. Um, and you know, I say that there is um, no longer like work-life balance. There's just life balance because work is our life, right? So I want you to kind of expand on that a little bit for the listeners. Like, tell us where, why that connection is so important.
1: So, in your life. You are defined by your actions. Like you can say you believe whatever you believe. You, uh, you know, you can go to uh, you know a religious institution or whatever. But if you don't actually do anything, like if you don't really participate, if you don't act on your values, then you know deep in your heart that you are not being true uh, to what you say, and that directly affects your happiness. So those people in the world. Who, when they have very strong values and th- and see things that need to be changed, who act on them and actually uh, can see that they are making a difference, that reinforces their whole, uh, basically th- their whole meaning in their life. And I th- I believe human beings are meaning driven. Like all of us, we don't, you know. The reason a lot of people go after money is because society tells them, oh, that's status, that's, you know, makes you important. Those are all the things. But if you look back historically on the evolution of a human society, you know, we used to live in tribes. Money didn't matter because money didn't exist. <laughs> for right. for 100,000 years, we really didn't have money because we lived in these social groups. What, what what we had was our relationship to other people, supporting other people, giving, being part of that. Those things are fundamental. Money is just a proxy for that in our modern day society. And really, it's not just having money. You can have all the money you want in your bank account. Those are just digital ones and zeros in your bank account. What you What really matters is how you use it. How you use your time and your wealth to actually change the world around you, the world you live in. We make our own reality, right? We can live, it's our reality is fundamentally in our head. We make our reality and we have power to actually change that through the most important thing what we do with our lives. And a lot of that is the workplace. So if you're in a job that you feel is meaningless, that you feel isn't uh, a court doesn't actually promote your values or help you create the type of world you want, then maybe it's time for a change.
0: Yeah. So how do you kind of articulate that to your own team?
1: So for my own, I do a lot. So I have different advice for companies. So one, in terms of meaning, what is your mission of your company? And you don't have to be a company that wants to solve world hunger or stop climate change to be a company with meaning. So those are great. Like if you if your business aligns with those and you can take actions to actually make the world a better place, you know, help educate people who are, you know, need education, do great things in the world, stop pollution. Wonderful. But even as business that is focused on creating a great environment for its employees, really helping those employees, you know, educate their kids, you know send them off to college, save for retirement, creating an environment in the office, and also creating products that are really useful and really customer centric, products that are focused on, on helping people achieve something. So if you're making accounting software, is that the most meaningful thing in the world? Well, not to a lot of people, but everybody needs accounting software. And if you can create that software with the customer in mind, not just like how to get the most money from your customers, but really how to provide the most value to to allow them to get their jobs done because every other, we're part of an ecosystem, right? And all all these people are contributing this. So the people out there who are changing the world by, let's say, stopping uh, pollution in the ocean, like, Plastics. They still need accounting software. <laughs> they need that yeah. to run what they're doing. Whether they're a nonprofit or for profit, they have to be. Uh, they have to use this. So, can you make your accounting software really uh, uh, friendly to those, uh, to businesses, to customers? Oh, what whatever product you're doing, if it's a product that actually helps people, there is meaning in that, and you can find it. You know, in whatever you're doing, you can do things to innovate and to make those products better, more sustainable, better for the world. That is what I mean by meaning. And then I have a whole nother track, if you want me to talk about it, and that is how do managers create community for their employees, which I think is really important.
0: Yeah, I actually wanted to dig into that because, you know, you say you have 100 employees, but you're also in 22 countries. So how uh, do you build this community when when everyone is kind of dispersed into different areas.
1: So being dispersed, whether you're dispersed or together, the same rules actually apply, the same things. Now, I think it's always better if you're in physical proximity to other people. If you can talk to them face to face, you know, there's a whole nother level of engagement that you have when you are, you know, with somebody, because it's very hard on zoom to have these casual moments where you're just sitting, you know, by the water cooler and you're just chatting or you're waiting at, you're waiting in a hotel lobby, you know, to catch the Uber to the airport. And at those moments you have interactions with people, which are totally different than you would have online. But as a manager, You can foster a a community by doing a few simple things. So number one, I say to to managers, whether you're remote or in person, it's the same thing. When you manage your employees, instead of telling them what to do, ask them. So I have a rule. It's called ask, don't tell. And most of us, like when we need something needs done, we go up to Sally or Jim and we're like, we need this done tomorrow, get it done. And this is what I need you to do. And don't focus on this other stuff because that's not a priority. So that's what managers tend to do. But actually, that can be uh, very counterproductive. So employees like to feel a sense of agency. Part of being motivated in a company, part of being happy is that they are trusted to do their job. So when you're always coming and telling them, do this, don't do that, you are taking away their agency and you're basically, they're just, they're kind of like a robot. They're responding to you. A better way to engage employees. And I want all of your listeners to try this for just one week. It's actually quite simple, but incredibly difficult. So, so for one week, I want everyone, including you to all your employees out there, ask, don't tell instead, every time you want to tell them something, go up to them and say, What do you think is the next priority? So what do you think we should be focused on right now? And then listen, very interesting. And then if they say something different than you think, you would say, well, why do you think that? What about this? And you get them to consider. And maybe they had a better idea than you. Maybe they should be focused on this other task (laughs) that they were going to do. And what you were just about to tell them that you thought was a priority isn't. Also, let's say you want them to speed it up instead of saying, we need this by tomorrow. Say, how can we speed this up? How can we get this done faster? If you want them to improve on things, go to them and say, do you think there's a better way to do this? Can we uh, we make this whole process more streamlined? Can we make it more efficient? Can we make our team collaborate together? Constantly be asking your employees Mm. because suddenly every time you ask them, how can we make this better? Oh, my boss is asking me. Boom, my brain turns on. Instead of just waiting for my boss to tell me what to do next, suddenly I have to come up with these ideas. When an employee comes up with the ideas, they own the ideas. They're their ideas. And when they execute on them, they get fully, uh, they get, they, they're they fully engaged. So this, you oh, will that. see a transformation in your workforce by d- doing this one simple thing. And if you consistently do that, you won't have to tell your employees what to do, like ever. Like, and <laughs> the beauty is you won't have to come up with ideas or plans or schedules for them. Deadlines, you can tell them what's the, what's the, you know, when do you think we can get it in? What's the fastest you think you can get in? Okay. Can you draw up a plan for this and get it? Can you go with this other team and cooperate and make sure they understand? Every time you ask, it takes
0: work off your plate. That's and right. literally <laughs>
1: empowers your employees and Love in it. the end makes them happier.
0: Awesome, love it. So don't, or ask, don't tell, what's the next one?
1: So that is a very big one. Another one is trust. So when people trust you, uh, they, uh, they will do almost anything for you. Like they will go through, you know, if you say, oh, our company's hit a rough spot. I need to lower your salary. No, if they don't trust you, they're out the door. They're looking, for, they're looking, they're online yeah, looking for their next job. Really good. If they trust you, they're like, ah, oh, this is a great environment. My boss really cares. My boss wouldn't be doing this unless my boss actually had to, can get you over big, rough spots. So how do you build trust? You build trust through honesty. You build trust, not through sugarcoating things, not through manipulating people, gaslighting them, you build trust by being very honest with them about the situation, about what's coming, about your company. The more transparent you can be, the more radical honesty you can practice in your business, the more trust you will build and your actions speak louder than your words like you can yeah. say anything you want like we have a great community we have a great culture you know culture isn't something you get by saying you know culture many many times it's something you get through your actions so if consistently <laughs> your choices as manager are in the best interest of not just the company but the employees and you always do deliver upon what you say you do Unless you have a really good reason and you go and explain that to them, then you will build trust. And trust comes from the top down. Your examples, how you act, how you're being honest, how you're uh, treating your employees, then they treat each other that way. They treat their subordinates that way. The people who report to them, It you that is how to build a great and happy workplace environment.
0: Love it. Love it. Did you say there were three things or did I make that up in my mind? I think you made that up in your mind that I
1: can go (laughs) on and on and I can do 20 things.
0: Oh man, I thought we were talking about three. Well, these are two really, really big ones. Um, Ask, don't tell and trust through honesty. You know, that reminds me of a story um, or a scenario. So when I go for runs, I do guided runs through an app. And anyway, the, the, the coach, if you will, has a saying that he says all the time. And he just says, I believe coaches don't lie to their athletes. I believe coaches don't lie. I believe coaches don't lie. You know, and he says it all the time. And the first time he said it, I thought, but don't all go just (laughs) like, you've got 10 more seconds, but yet you really have 30 or whatever. Right. So, um, or you have 30 seconds and really only a 10 or whatever the scenario is, but it makes me, I do not know this man. It is just through an app, but instantly I now believe everything he says, right. I never in the back of my mind go. If he says you have another minute, I don't in the back of my mind think, does, but does he mean a minute and a half, you know? Yeah, so, so I love that you said that.
1: Yeah. So coaches don't lie. Uh, that's his philosophy and it builds trust, right? And if a coach is lying to you, he he, what he's really saying is coaches shouldn't lie because if a coach <laughs> does, because some coaches do, we know that, Of course. And if a, but if a coach does lie to you, then you doubt everything they're saying. So when they say you have 30 seconds, you think you have a minute and it yeah. stops working. It, and, and when bosses lie, it it's the same exact thing. You right. start doubting everything they say. So of what course. they say doesn't have the same impact. And I tell you, I do have a number three. I have many more of these things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> give us a number three, give us a number three.
1: So when you when you are with your employees, it is really important for you Um, when you engage with them, to understand who they are. Mm, You you know, taking, one reason I say ask, don't tell is because taking the time to listen and know your employees is so important. So many bosses are just focused on what needs to get done. But a lot of what needs to get done is just you opening your ears and really listening to them. And a, a thing you should do is when they tell you stuff, you should write it down. You should mm, keep a log so of the critical things that they are telling you so that yeah. you can go back to that and you can start to get a really holistic picture of what's going on in your company. And even if employees aren't your reports, you should and you but you work with them, you collaborate with them other groups, you should be going and talking to them, listening to them finding out what their problems are, what their issues are, all these connections and a company is like an organism, all these connections by, by making these connections, by understanding your decision-making quality will go way up.
0: Love it. Love it. I had a manager once tell me when I was little 23 year old, Amy managing people, he was like, any, anytime somebody comes into your office, you need to grab a notebook. And I was like, Okay, <laughs> for what you know, but uh, I uh, I always appreciated that advice and and uh, I think it it went a long way. So, um, awesome! I love it, man. What, four, five, six? No, I'm just kidding. Ah, uh, so you know, a lot of these I'm sure are uh, in your latest book, Surviving a Startup: uh, Practical Strategies for Starting a Business, Overcoming Obstacles, and Coming Out on Top. And so um, people can find. This book, obviously on Amazon, of course, uh, but also if they go to your website, founderspace.com slash surviving-a-startup, dash or if you just go to the website, it will direct you, um, it can direct you to this page. Actually, yep. they yeah. can just go
1: to survivingastartup.com.
0: You know, oh, directly there There we go.
1: Or they Let's go just to, do that. <laughs> or they go to founderspace.com and they can contact me. We have tons of videos there, but I will tell you, I have a number four for you if you want it. Before we wrap up.
0: I'll take it before we wrap up. number Number four
1: (laughs) is as a manager in a company, if you want your employees to be happy, you may need to make sure they are doing what they're best at, Mm, honestly. So good. So if you have people working in an area that they're not really good at, that they're not motivated by, you're not going to get a lot out of them. They're not going to be happy. And the organization isn't going to be as functional. So that's number four. And there are many more that people can learn about.
0: Yes, I love it. So people can find you on foundersspace.com. Also, you are on like all the socials, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, you you, you name it. I think I'm you're, there. I'm I there. think you're there. Look for the little uh, cartoon character, which I think is so uh, great from, from a personal branding standpoint. Thank you so much for your time today. There is one last question I would like to ask you before we have to wrap up today. I feel like I could t- chat with you forever. Um, but is if you had to describe a happy workplace in one word, what would you, you use?
1: One word to me. Yes. Would be adventure. Oh, we are going on an adventure together.
0: I love it. What a way to end. Uh, also, I just wanted to to say one other thing that you um, said that I wanted to recap was we make our own reality. We, we create our own adventures. We make our own reality. And Captain Hoff, thank you so much for being on the show today and making us realize that we truly can make our own reality. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Amy Dix here. Thank you so much for listening to the Happiest Places to Work podcast. If you are a CEO, HR director, or wellness director for a successful company and would like to be on this program, please visit choose-happy.me slash podcast slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on social. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Happiest Places to Work podcast. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team want to know more go to our website choose dash happy.me or follow me on linkedin facebook and instagram at amy N. Dix. thanks for listening this is amy dix and we will see you next time